It's uh, been interesting for me as I prepared for this service and realised how important uh, the message of Christmas really is. There's been data that's just come out uh, in the United States, which I don't think it's too big a stretch to suggest that it probably also applies to us. And it's marked a, a seismic change in society that raises some pretty fundamental questions. The US Census Bureau's American Time Use Survey uh, for many, many years tracked the, the amount of time people spend with friends. And uh, for many, many years, it didn't change. In fact, from when they started back before the turn of the uh, 21st century, uh, back in the 90s, right the way through to 2013, it didn't change. But in 2014, things started to shift. On average, in, uh, in about 2013, we would spend uh, about seven hours a week with our close friends and about 15 hours a week with people who were not... Uh, work colleagues, or if they were work colleagues, they were you were spending time with them out of work. You were spending 15 hours a week with friends. That started to change in 2014 to the point now where, and this is true right across the board for all ages and all demographics, uh, we are spending less than three hours a week with close friends and less than 10 hours a week with friends in general. And on top of that, it's much, much worse for the group of people who mostly spend time with their friends. That's teenagers. The, the shift for teenagers has been dramatic. Teenagers are now spending 11, hour, 11 fewer hours with friends each week, which is a 64% decline in just the last 10 years or so, or actually the last eight years, and 12 additional hours by themselves in just the last eight years. Now, researchers are trying to name why that is, and there's a number of factors to it. People are exercising more alone, they're shopping more alone, but the big shift seems to be that 2014 in the American market was the year where smartphones reached 50% market penetration. And so people are becoming more and more isolated. Like I said, this is a, a United States survey but I don't think it's a stretch to say the same thing's happening here, do you reckon? More and more of us are becoming more and more isolated and we desperately need the love that the candle we lit today talks about. We, we need the heart of Christmas. We need relationship. The whole of Christianity is built around this idea of love. The central and most famous verse of the Bible is John 3:16 for God so loved the world. Jesus gave us the great commandment. He said, 
the, the number one thing you're to focus on is to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbours as yourself. And in case we were wondering, he gave us a new commandment, which he said was to love each other as I have loved you. And if that wasn't enough, he says, I also need you to learn to love your enemies. So what does all that mean? Well, it means that people who want to take the baby born in Bethlehem seriously need to make choices to live a different kind of life that this world is shaping all of us to live. We need to step into relationship in new ways and take love more seriously. We also need to understand that our world has been hell-bent on bending our picture of what love actually is. For many, many years, we, Hollywood has told us that love was about romance, about getting the right kind of feelings about somebody. These days, I think Hollywood's even given up on that. There is not one song in the current top 40 that mentions love. But I am interested that there was one song that talked about love that was released in 2020 by a... French dance composer and a, a singer called Sia. Uh, and the, the lyrics of that song were all about what the Bible would call love. The, the lyrics say, let's love, let's love, let's love. I will never leave your side, my love. Standing right beside you is enough. Count on me if you feel any pain. Talk to me and I'll run to you again. You can count on me. You can count on me. Real love is something you can count on. It's not an emotional response to a reality. It is something you can count on. And it always requires us to extend ourselves. To love somebody comes at a cost. There's no such thing as easy love. M. Scott Peck, the author of The Road Less Travelled, says, since it requires the extension of ourselves, love is either work or courage. It's an, it, if, an, if an act is not one of work or courage, then it actually isn't a work of love. He's really restating what the Apostle Paul said when he gave us a definition of love in 1 Corinthians, where he says, love is patient. Love is kind, love doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonour others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. Or as Sia said, or sung in this song that is still in the top 40 from two years later, and it's interesting, it came out in the middle of the pandemic. Love is something you can count on. We want to talk today a bit more about what does it mean to love, really? What does it mean in this culture we're part of that is telling us to be more and more isolated, spend more and more time on our phones and trust ourselves more and people less? What does it actually mean to love? The theologian I appreciate, N.T. Wright, says you, we need to understand that love is actually a way of understanding. You won't actually understand somebody or anything 
unless you let it enter your heart or enter, let them enter your heart. We're going to talk a bit more about that, but before we talk about it, let's sing some more songs. Reading from the first letter of John, chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So how do you do that? How do you actually love with actions and in truth and not just go for some soppy, sentimental, schmaltzy kind of Hallmark Christmas movie? Apologies to all those who love the Hallmark Christmas movies, which do get a bit of a run in our house at this time of year. Um, I need to show some research to you, and this may be a little uh, surprising to hear. Uh, because in order for you to know how to love well you need to learn to say no to people. In order for you to learn how to love well, you need to learn how to say no to people. It may be not what you expected to hear on a Christmas uh, service, but the research is in. I've, I'll throw up a slide now that looks a little bit like an uh, archery target. This is... Uh, by Oxford professor Robin Dunbar uh, and what it shows is, a re this research indicates that all of us have the capacity for about five intimate friends, about 15 best friends, about 50 good friends, about 150 friends about 500 associates and most of us, our brain will remember the names of about 1,500 people. Now, my kids are going to feel a bit offended at that point because there are plenty of times where I forget their names. Um, but I, I do need to raise this dilemma with you. In the way our world is shaping us, we, it is easier and easier and easier to find more acquaintances. It's possible to have 2,000 Facebook friends and have nobody know what life is like for you. We are in a world, we've heard the research, where in the last, just in the last eight years, the, the number of people 
who are spending time alone or the amount of time people are spending alone has doubled and the number of friends people have had has halved. So what does that mean for us? Well, we've got to come to terms with the fact that just like Jesus, we need to prioritise relationships. In order to say yes to any kind of relationship or any kind of thing, you actually need to say no to other things. The research indicates that we've been saying yes to Netflix and yes to our phones, yes to emotional safety and no to complicated relationships. And that is most clearly felt amongst teenagers. There is a, a wrong picture that develops unhealthy relationships, often in Christian churches, where we think love means saying yes to everybody and having our lives determined by the whims of other people. Jesus clearly prioritised relationships. He said no to a whole lot of people who wanted to be his followers and said yes to 12. In your notes, you'll also find he said no to nine of those 12 and said yes to three. There are key times in his ministry and life where he focused on Peter, James and John at the expense of the others. Jesus clearly prioritised Jewish people and knew that he was here to be the fulfilment of Israel's story. There was even a time where Jesus prioritised God and his work over his mum and he didn't let his mum set his agenda for him. Jesus chose and stewarded his heart. And if we want to love well, if we want to be the antidote to this broken, self-absorbed, lonely world, we actually are going to have to relate to each other slightly differently than is normal. So what does that look like? What, is a, what does a healthy community look like? I'm going to throw up another uh, dartboard. This one has got pictures all over it uh, of little people. And it is an attempt to try and name what a healthy approach to life would look like. What, the, what a biblical approach to community would look like. It would look like God being the centre of your life. As we've already said, sometimes family will want to be the centre of your life, as they tried to be for Jesus. And Jesus had to say, no, sorry. I, anybody who wants to do my father's will, they're my family. There's going to be all kinds of things that want to be the centre of your life. Some people make money the centre of their life or beauty or sport. Some people make food or chocolate or whatever it is. If there is anything other than God at the centre of your life, and, it, and by at the centre of your life we mean the thing that is the basis of your decisions, the ultimate sorting factor of your life. We'll leave that up there. Thanks, Jen. Because I want to speak to a few more things about it. 
um, then it, it's a problem. So God is to be the centre of your life. And then in the Christian approach and understanding of life, there is meant to be, and remember we've only got a limited space for intimacy, for those who are married, there's meant to be one person on that inner circle. You are not meant to relate to anybody else the way you relate to your spouse. But this is interesting because Jesus wasn't married. Neither was the Apostle Paul. And in fact, the Apostle Paul says, if you can avoid marriage, please do. Because it means that you have a lot more energy, a lot more intimacy available for people in the outer circles, is what he says. But you can see, then we need to have the, the next circle out. We need close friends. We need people who know what life is like for us. We then need to have the circle out from that. We need colleagues in church who, who and, and from a Christian perspective, it's not just work colleagues, it is the, the idea we are working on the task of the kingdom together, and that's the, this uh, church circle. And we also need, from a Christian perspective, there are those we are here to serve in the secular world, they're called your customers, or your employees, or whatever it is. But from a Christian perspective, there will always be people you are here to serve, your flock. There will be people who you are here not to receive from, but to give to. And then also, there'll be people who are your acquaintances. Jesus calls them to love our neighbours. Now remember, what does it mean to love Love doesn't mean letting people come in and out of those circles as they want to do that. Jesus didn't do that. And there will be people in your life who don't see the circles and priorities of, that you need to have. Because their needs mean they want to be the centre of your world. In order to love well and to have the space we need for other people, we need to have boundaries. It's not right for your church to be in the place where your family needs to be. And it's not right for your family to be in the place where God needs to be. This is the, the journey for us. If we're to, to be a counterculture, if we're to bring hope in the face of a society that is breaking down because of a lack of love, we need to learn how to love and that means we learn, need to learn how to say yes to relationships. And the only way to say yes to relationships is to learn to say no. Inherently, the closer you get to the circle, the more vulnerable you'll need to be. The, the people closest to you are the people who are able to hurt you the most. And I have a sneaking suspicion that's why, for a whole lot of us, we, we're, we're actually donuts. We've got a whole lot of people around the edges and not many people in the centre. We need to rediscover what relationship looks like and what does it look like. Well, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes as we look at Jesus and what he calls us to with relationships. But before then, I'd love you to listen to this well, I think we're going to stand and sing this next song.
So as we come towards the end of our service, a couple more songs to go. But I, I hope what you're hearing is this, that our world is not business as usual. Our world is in a crisis of love. And when we talk about love, we're not talking about the pale grey imitation of love that dresses itself up as romance, the self-meeting needs of a romantic love. No, we're talking about real love, self-giving love, the, the kind of love that we see in the Bible talked about in and through Jesus. That is the kind of love that produces hope that produces peace, that produces joy and is right at the centre of what we need as human beings. And Jesus' vision for the church, very clearly, is to be a counter-culture, a bunch of people who actually make the choice to love rather than be self-absorbed, rather than be emotionally withdrawn. It's easier and safer to have a whole lot of acquaintances. And so we want to move from being donuts, where we've got a whole lot of acquaintances on the outside and very few real friends, to being people who love. What does that look like? Well, it looks like a little baby born into straw poverty to a teenage girl in a Middle Eastern town who came not to beat up all the bad guys but to come and show what love looks like. And he came and said, if you want to follow me, you'll find life. And it'll be the kind of life that'll change the world. But there is a slight cost. You need to think about other people more than yourself. You need to have God at the centre of your life, not emotional safety. And you may need to turn off your phone from time to time. So that you prioritise people rather than the phone. The Apostle Paul, when he was trying to help the little church at Philippi know what it means to take their faith seriously, said this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love. Being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. And you've got to brace yourself because this is not what our culture tells you you should do. Brace yourself, because it's part of you that want to hear this. Brace yourself. This is countercultural. In humility, value others 
above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests. The lie of romantic love is that when I no longer feel the butterflies with this person, but they may be developing with that person, it's okay for me to leave that person behind and go for that person because that's what love is, isn't it? Too many families have been blown apart by people chasing love, they say, but not loving. Love is valuing others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships, Paul says, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, this little baby born in Bethlehem who came to set the captives free. And how did he do that? Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus understood that even in the very triune nature of God, there are boundaries. And as we've already seen, in order for you to love well, you need to learn to say no to things so you can say yes to love. John, towards the end of his life, as he writes his epistle to one of the little churches, he says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. This is not a business as usual time. Our world is fragmenting and people are becoming isolated at a rate they have not since people have been doing these kind of surveys. There's a lot of lonely people and some of them are us. And our task is to take Jesus seriously and make sure... that we and our emotional security are not the centre of the world, the centre of our worlds, but that we can be together agents of his love. 
to be the church he dreamed of, to be the agents of his love in the world, to model ourselves after the baby born in Bethlehem who came to set us free. I encourage you just to listen to the words of this last song, or second last song.
you know 